The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you, wishing to construct a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, this one began to build, but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king, marching into battle, would not first sit down and decide whether, with 10,000 troops, he can successfully oppose another king, advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. I think one of those places in the spiritual life where people often get tripped up, and and maybe it's more true for younger people than older ones, or maybe that's just the crowd that I've mostly dealt with in my priesthood. Um, but there's, I think there's often a, a tendency to confuse faith and understanding. And those are two very, very uh, distinct things, although of course they're related to, to one another. But they are two separate things. And you know, I was reminded of, of this distinction in looking at the first reading that we get from the Book of Wisdom today. And scarce do we guess the things on earth and what is within our grasp we find with difficulty. But when things are in heaven, who can search them out? Or whoever knew your counsel except you had given wisdom and sent your Holy Spirit from on high? And thus were the paths of those on earth made straight. About a thousand years ago, when St. Anselm of Canterbury was uh, talking about the relationship of faith and, and uh, not faith and reason, but faith and understanding, he said, um, faith, the spiritual life is about faith seeking understanding. And the foundation, the foundation of everything is faith. That basic sort of hearing the word and trusting, not just trusting in what is said, but really trusting because of who we think said it. And who's speaking to our hearts? And that's the thing that faith is based on, that that there's someone speaking to me, and I I don't totally understand what's going on, but I think they're good, and I I believe what they're saying is true because they've said it. But that doesn't mean that what the person says is necessarily going to make total sense. Just look at our gospel today. You know, in one way, it seems like Jesus is trying to be... um, very reasonable, uh, 
but in another sense, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. So it gives practical examples. You know, you're going to build, do a building project, calculate the cost, see how much money you got in the bank, you know, and if there's enough in the bank to cover the cost, great, go ahead. Or if you're marching into battle, you know, look at, well, what's your army like? What are they like? Can you do this? If not, don't. Um, very, very practical sort of examples uh, from life. But then he gets to this sort of bewildering conclusion. After giving these practical examples, he says, in the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. And it's not actually immediately clear why you need to renounce all your possessions in order to become a disciple. You might decide that Jesus is worth following, and you might decide that he is a truthful sort of person, and, and so you should listen to him. And you might decide on that basis to renounce your possessions and spend your life following him. But you still might not have any idea, well, why is he asking this of me? And I think this is where we clearly see the distinction between faith and understanding. It's when we come to the real cost of discipleship when we come to the cross, and when we come to suffering. And suffering is a part of everyone's life, whether you're a believer or not, you're going to suffer. Uh, that's just the way it goes. Um, but to suffer in faith, to suffer in, what does it mean to suffer in faith? It means, well, this is a bad thing, and I don't like it. But you know, God is allowing this to happen to me, and he's a good guy, and I trust him, and so I think this is going to somehow work out. And so I'm going, to, I'm going to accept it, and I'm just going to do the best I can in the situation. That's faith, and that's suffering with faith. But it's not understanding. It's not looking at the situation and saying, oh, I see why God thinks I need this particular suffering at this point in my life, and how this is going to make me a better person, and this is going to help the people around me, and, and this is actually for, for the best. And this is, wow, this is a great thing, you know. That's, that's understanding. And you don't need to have understanding in order to have faith. But if you don't have faith, you'll never get to the understanding. And that's because understanding is, in, in the human sense of understanding another person in, in a good sort of way, it's the thing that happens when you're friends with someone for a long time and you sort of get how they operate and why they do what they do. And even if initially in the friendship they seemed like kind of weird and quirky, you, you realize that there's a certain sort of goodness to the way they do things and, and the way that they operate. And you maybe you find it charming, whereas before you just thought it was odd, but you were willing to put up with it because you wanted to be friends, you know. And so understanding God, the gift of understanding, is when we know God well enough, we've traveled far enough along that journey of faith, that we begin to get to see why the crosses he sends make sense. And why what initially was only a burden might seem actually like a blessing. I think it's something that I, I've mentioned in uh, homilies uh, uh, before. But you know, one of my one of my favorite things, probably my favorite thing to do as a priest is to hear confessions. I really, I really love hearing confessions. I think it's such a beautiful sacrament. And 
I, I, church teaches, and I know, and I totally believe that the Mass is the greatest of the sacraments because we don't just get grace, we get the author of grace. And I totally believe that, that's what the church teaches. But I still enjoy confession more. And I'm sure purgatory will take care of that, but, uh, <laughs> but I like it more. And one of the things that I've discovered in, in hearing confessions is that you know I, I, I want to help people out and, and to understand where they're coming from and help them you know, see where this, how the sin is operating in their life and, and, and give a good penance that can help sort of uproot and counteract where the sin has been. And oftentimes, the thing that lets me do that is my own past sins and suffering. That those are exactly the things that God has used through grace and through time and, and through con my own conversion, transforming them into something that becomes a gift that I can then give to other people. And it's seeing this over and over and over again in my life. And it, it's just amazing how many times, you know, as I've been a priest, you know, I've been dealing with something on my own or something from my past and working through that. And then something comes up in confession. And it might be in a way very different but it's like, oh, I get what you're going through because I had something sort of similar, but maybe not. But it's enough that I, I can get what's going on. And when, you, when that happens enough times, you begin to get a sense of how God works. And I think where the gift is, uh, of understanding has come is, is not simply in looking at the past and really getting why God has allowed those particular sins in my life and has allowed that particular suffering, but that even in the moment now, I can somewhat see and anticipate and understand what God is doing. It's not, it's not just sort of a blind faith anymore. I think I get to see a bit more why he's doing it. And there's a way, too, I've come to really appreciate because of that, appreciate and realize at times knowledge of my own sins and my own weaknesses and failings. Because I know, I see, I was like, oh, okay, God is teaching me something in this moment. He's got something for me. And so it's something that I can look forward to. So I know what you're thinking. Wow, that sounds great, Father. How can I grow in this understanding thing? Because I'm suffering a lot. Well, Jesus actually gives the answer here in, in the Gospel. Any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Or, flipped around, if you renounce all that you have, you can be my disciple. Now, what does it mean to renounce your possessions? Well, that's, that's not exactly the same thing as you know, taking all that money you saved up to pay next semester's tuition and then like writing a big check to Father Manco and mailing it in. Although if you want to do that, I might take it. Um, but that's, that's not what the renunciation means. What the renunciation means, not that you physically give it all away right now. What it means is that looking at everything you possess, not just what's in your, your bank account, but looking at everything you, that you possess as a gift from God that you want to give back to him in the right way at the right time when he's really asking for it from you. And why, why is that 
that act of faith, something that leads to understanding. Understanding is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And Aquinas distinguishes the supernatural virtues, faith, hope, and love from the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, Just to give you a little refresher since your confirmation, fear of the Lord, reverence, knowledge, courage, counsel, understanding, wisdom. Faith, hope, and love operate on our human faculties in a human sort of way. Faith tells us things. Hope gives us an object to look forward to. Love, a basic sort of desire. But he says the gifts do something else. They build on those things. But the gifts make us docile to the Holy Spirit. And I think one of my favorite analogies, I I took five semesters of ballroom dance in college. And why do you laugh? Um, (laughs) and, And so, you know, the first thing you learn in dance is, you know, the dance position. So you sort of lock up in a particular way and hold on to each other so that when one person moves, the other one feels it and is able to move in sync with them. And faith, hope, and love are like that basic grabbing on to God or actually allowing him to grab on to us and being willing to follow his lead wherever he, he takes us around. But the gifts, the gifts are the thing that allow a person receiving that signal to respond quickly, easily, gracefully. They're the things that really, when, when, you, when you read about the saints, are the things that make their lives beautiful. And you think, how do they do all that stuff? Well, it's the gifts. Because it's not just operating in a human way. It's as if, it's not as if, it's that the Holy Spirit himself gets to use us in the supernatural way. You know, one of the, just a quick example, going back to confession, one of the gifts is counsel. It's one of my favorite gifts. Um, I find myself asking for it a lot, almost habitually now. But I remember early on in my priesthood, I didn't ask for it a lot, but I, I came across these situations in confession and be like, well, I don't really know what to do with this. Um, so, Lord, if you could give me some wisdom, I'd appreciate it. And then, out of nowhere, a question would pop up. Something would direct my attention to somewhere. And I'd ask the person, well, what about that that you mentioned? There was one woman a couple years ago. She confessed lying and a bunch of other stuff. I didn't know what to do with it, but I sensed like she was really torn up. I was like, oh, there's there's something more going on here. And then I just got the idea, that gift of counsel, ask about the lying. So I said, what do you lie about? Big, small stuff? And it went into this huge saga about her vocational discernment and her family problems and her boyfriend and big, big, big stuff. But that was the problem. Well, what did I get in confession? I lied. But without counsel, I wouldn't have been able to see what's really going on. So the idea of, of really deciding in faith to give ourselves to Christ is so important because that's the basic decision to allow him to guide us where we're going to go. And like with dance, like with anything that we practice, the more we allow Jesus to move us where he wants us to go, the better we come to understand him. So I'll leave you with one of my favorite verses from Scripture, which is James chapter 1, verse 7. I'd like you to close your eyes and and meditate on this uh, for a moment. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, 
and it will be given him. 